Hi guys, uh, welcome to the Provokers Podcast, where we talk about things you probably should too. Today I am jo- joined by my two co-hosts. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Yo, I'm Jeebins. I'm Gaming on YouTube. I'm the best person here. <laughs> and your opinion. No. Right. And I am the host for today, Nodog54. And today... And, uh, has anything interesting happened in your guys' lives? Dude, my life well, is completely empty. Like, I don't have anything happening. Well, I disagree, John, because you just had a 12-hour live stream that concluded at this point. Um, you want to talk about how that was? Yeah, that one, um, that was yesterday as of recording this. Uh, but it went, it went well. Uh, I was surprised that how much energy I had the whole time. I've done 12 hours before um, on a few different occasions, and usually, like, the last few bits of the stream, I'm just like, I need this to be done. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, yesterday I was fine. I um, People told me that I didn't seem too tired to not be interesting, so that was good to hear. Nice. How many How many people did you get there, like, during your stream? Uh, I don't look at the view count, like, I can't even see the view count during the stream, but I averaged, like, seven viewers. How, how can, why can't you see the view count? Because I... Twitch not allow you to? No, I choose not to. I don't like looking at it. Oh. Gotcha. I would try and say how the view count works, but I have no clue, because I would use Twitch or do anything on there. I just asked because I, when I was part of, when I jumped in, because I to let you know that I was ready, I saw that you had like 20, 20 almost 30, I think, was what I saw. I did just recently get a raid, I think. No, I hadn't gotten the raid at that point, so. No, you hadn't gotten the raid at that point, yeah. So yeah. I think you were, you were pretty, everyone was, I'm glad you, like a lot of your viewers were there to see it, so. Yeah, um, the, the thing with me is uh, I just graduated um, uh, from Belsies, that was pretty amazing. Uh, got a award of excellence because I'm the best person here, like I said, and uh, and uh, yeah, so that was pretty fun. Um, and besides that, oh yeah, besides for my house almost burning down, I think my week's been pretty normal. But how the fuck did your house almost burn down? Okay, I'll t- I'll tell you real really quickly. Essentially, I uh, I was going downstairs to make dinner around seven because I I. Had to edit videos, and so I wasn't able to eat around like five or six where I nor- where I normally would. And I uh, put my thing on the burner, and I I it's like I'm bo- I'm making mac and cheese, so I'm boiling the water. I go sit down on the couch, uh, which is just outside of the kitchen. You have to there's no doors in between the living room, the dining room, and the kitchen. So I'm just I'm just waiting, listening for either listening or waiting for steam to pop up because then I know it's getting ready. And all of a sudden, I start hearing this popping sound, and I'm like, hmm, that doesn't seem right. So I rush into the kitchen, and immediately I'm met with fumes, like plastic fumes. And I'm like, what is happening? So I, I rush over to the stove, and I notice that one of my cats had moved this plastic cover that goes on top of the microwave. They had moved it onto the burner and almost set it ablaze. And I guarantee, if I had let it sit there for 10 more seconds, it would have caught on fire. I had to open every door, I had to open every window, I had to blast the fans to get that, to get the fumes out of the house. But it was really bad. Right. 
You know, something I think a lot of people who've never dealt with fire before don't think about, fire starts quickly. Oh, yeah. My uh, my dad actually had a house fire once, and it if they hadn't controlled it as fast as they did, the house would have burned down. The whole, the whole complete yeah. house. Yeah, I had my, I had all the fans on blast. I had the fan on the, um, I had the fan in the uh, microwave on blast as well. I had the windows open to get it out. I had the doors open. Um, luckily, it was daytime, so I wasn't scared of any intruders or anything. But I mean, just like, and the fire alarm went off, and I'm like, uh, yeah, that was a, that was an experience. I, I know it was my cat because I know it wasn't there before. Um, and it was just like the entire thing, the half, half of it like melted. I had to put it in the recycling bin, but yeah, it smelled really bad. And I tried, I got away from it while it was fuming out because you're not supposed to inhale that kind of stuff. Um, cause it can lead to like lung disease and stuff. So I, I told everyone, like, I, I think I was the only one home at that time. So I just went inside. I moved the cats when they heard the sound, when they heard the fire alarm, they immediately rushed into the farthest away room cause they're scared of it. Um, so they were fine, but it was just very, very interesting how that happened. That was a day after I graduated, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah. Also, I totally thought I was going to die on graduation day because they... So here's... This is how crazy my luck is, or should I say lack of luck. Um, I got... They give you a number card and to get in line because they, you have to line up and stuff. So they gave me this number card, and I'm number 13. I'm like, okay, well, that's a great number. So I get in line, and I'm like, all right. And then they they call me up. I go back down. I sit in my seat. I notice that we're in the 13th row of the rows of the students. There's, like, I think, like, I think there's, like, 27 rows in each column. But And we I was in the 13th row on the first column. And then after the graduation was done, I noticed my brother was, my family was sitting in the 13th um the row of the stadium, and my brother was sitting in seat 13. Wow. So I was full on, I should, like, they, they were trying to kill me that night. <laughs> Apparently so. That's why the house almost burned down, that unluckiness carried over to the next day. <laughs> carried over to the next day, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alright, well, on that note, it is time to introduce the topic for today. Today's topic happens to deal with something I think we all do, and that is playing games. I'm not just talking about playing regular games that you play every day. I want what you think, in your opinion, is the best games that you've played. They could be from 1990 uh, up until this year, whatever the fuck. Whatever, in your opinion, is like the best game. So how are points judged, then, if we're just naming games we like? I haven't really thought that through, but I'll figure it out. It's great. Wow. <laughs> it's my first time, all right. Yeah, that, there, well, yeah, but there's been like four episodes at this point. There's no excuses here. No excuses. All right, I, John, I'll, I'll allow you to go first. Yeah. Um, uh, since I don't know, I know my, I know a lot of mine, but I don't know what yours would be, actually. Yeah, I, I have quite a few games that I think are really good and that I would consider my favorite. Um, but I think one of the best games that I've ever played, which is up there in my favorites, is Jedi Fallen Order. It's a Star Wars game. Um, but you don't really need to know a whole lot about Star Wars to understand what's happening. You don't need to have like seen every movie and seen all the TV shows. 
and all that. They reference those things, but that's really all that you need for it. But the reason it's my favorite is because the gameplay mechanics are a lot of fun. Um, there are a couple bosses that really challenge you, but it's not too overwhelmingly difficult, for, at least for me. There's also the bit of exploration, which I love. I love exploring in games, finding little details that um, go towards the overall atmosphere. A lot of fun. I guess I should have specified this by saying uh, you can say like what your favorite games are, but you can tell stories of like why they're your favorite games and things like that. I think he covers 90% of that. But, anyway. Um, so one of mine, I'm gonna... I'm gonna say this just because of the experience I had playing it, and I want to put you guys in the mindset back of when we were in COVID-19. It's basically the start of it is when it kind of happened. It was in March, um, late, late March, and things were starting to shut down because they were getting scared and stuff. So, put your mindset in there, right? I had just gotten... Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing at the same time because they came out on the same day, and so the first game I played was Doom because I had I don't I don't think I had a Switch at that time, but I got the game and ready because I was gonna get the Switch uh, soon. So I played Doom Eternal and holy crap, just the first ten minutes of that game was amazing. I mean, obviously the entire game was amazing, but the first ten minutes already blew me away because of the soundtrack. I knew the story was gonna be great. The enemies were fantastic, because they're, they're like a lot of them were from the other game. Um, the bosses were so super cool. I love the the final boss was a little annoying just because of how random he was and how many enemies he spawns in. But I liked the challenge of it. And Doom offers you a pretty good challenge. It's not as challenging as like I would say Elden Ring, which I'll go which I'll go over later because that's another one of my favorites. But with Doom, you can really just kind of pick your category. Like, do you want to be in baby mode, or do you want to, or do you want to slay those freaking hell demons? You know, like, what's your what's your category? And I think I picked the second highest one, whatever that was called, because um, I I had I hadn't played Doom 2016 in a long time, so I wasn't sure if I could handle whatever the top one was. And essentially, it was just really fun. The bosses, besides the last one, were like super fun, and they they weren't too easy. Um, and so they offered a, a lot of challenge. There was the, um, what do you call it? The, I forgot what her name is. It's that angel lady that was kind of tracking you throughout the entire game. She's the second final boss. Um, and she, her, her thing was pretty, pretty all right. The floor was lava thing I wasn't a whole fan of. But the story and the music. I l still listen to the music. I, I had the music on a soundtrack on Amazon Music. That's because of how good it is. <laughs> it's super good. And... I mean, if you don't like, I mean, heavy metal or, like, that kind of stuff, you're not going to like it. But they literally had a heavy metal course. Like, that's when you know you're in amazing territory. So, yeah, I would say Doom Eternal easily, and especially once things were starting down and we were kind of stuck inside and stuff. That was one of the best games I ever played. I don't think I stopped playing that game. I think I played it at the beginning. I think I t obviously took bathroom breaks and, eat and ate stuff. But after that... I don't think I stopped playing the game. I think I played that game for a straight 20 hours and didn't stop. Ooh. Yeah. I could definitely say the Doom franchise is like one of the better franchises. Right. And I think a lot 
of what that has to do with it is the music. Like you, Ethan, I actually have quite a few of the songs on my rock and roll playlist on Spotify. Yeah. And every now and then I just get one of those songs on Spotify and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Yep. It, it, the soundtrack is really what did it. But I mean, the game's not always about the soundtrack and stuff. So I, I had to sure. take into account the gameplay too. The, you know, once you, because if you go to like the second to last or the last or like the highest difficulty, um, they, you really run out of ammo really quickly and you're really down to your fists and your grappler or whatever. And so, and then of course you have your like special abilities and stuff. But other than that, you're, you really don't use the weapons too much. And it kind of gives, it kind of puts you in this mentality of like, oh crap, I'm surrounded by enemies. I have no ammo. I need to do the chainsaw to get ammo. I'm on a chainsaw maybe. Um, you need to, like, I think you also had to, um, yeah, oh, yeah, you could also, um, like, the, do the special killing things, I'm not sure what they're, what they called, um, but you could do the special killing things, and you got health from that, so let's say you're on, like, 50 health, it puts you in this scared mentality, not, like, really scared, but it puts you in this, like, oh, crap, I'm gonna die and lose all of my progress here, um, and it really kind of just puts you in this mentality of, like, this is the moment where I can shine. You know, it, re- it really makes you feel like you're good at the game. So, that's what that's my that's my take on Doom Eternal. Doom, like, from 2016, actually reminds me of um, one game I've played that I actually loved the hell out of. It was um, one of the Wolfenstein games. And it kind of has that, like, same... Um, you could choose where you want to be difficulty-wise. I- mm-hmm. I think the highest mode, and people correct can correct me, is um, like Tear Belly, and that's like the hardest one. As playing on like the third hardest one, I don't remember what that was. But, yeah, I've, I haven't played those games, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, me neither. But Doom actually kind of reminds me a lot of that game because it does give you that same mentality and feeling as you do go through ammo very quick with the enemies of Wolfenstein. Well, Wolfenstein and Doom, they didn't come out at the same time, but the, if you compare the first Doom and the first Wolfenstein side by side, there's not really a huge difference besides the enemies. Like, the art style is basically the same, the uh, first-person perspective and the polygons is the same. Like, all that kind of stuff is the same. So they kind of took, I don't know who was first, but they kind of took after each other. And I think Doom got more light sh- shined on it because um, it was just like I th- I think people found it more fun. I can't remember exactly what the region was, um, right. but I haven't. I do plan on trying Wolfenstein just because I I've heard that it's kind of similar. Um, so, but yeah, I haven't played it, so I I can't really say much about it. Yeah, I feel like the only two things that'd be different would be the story and well, the people you're killing. I hope the story would be different. Otherwise, it's copyright infringement. Right. <laughs> yeah. True. Another franchise that I really enjoy is uh, Resident Evil. I played a bit of it um, in my recap stream where that was recent that we that I went through games that were big on the channel. Because I played the very first one, though, that I played, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it was very impactful. Uh, the first one I ever played was Resident Evil 4. And those who haven't played those games might be like, why did you start with the fourth game? Like, wouldn't you want to start with the first game? But they're, like, different... Not different time periods. They're one overarching story, but it each game follows a different character. 
some of the characters are in multiple games, like Leon, which is in the main character in Resident Evil 4, is in Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 6. But other than that, like you could play each one randomly, and it wouldn't it wouldn't affect your takeaway of the story. But that one, like I played it in October of 2020, and I wasn't big. I wasn't good at it. I really had trouble with saving ammo which is why it's one of my favorites because I ended up having to use a knife only for a lot of fights fights that you definitely aren't supposed to use with a knife <laughs> um yep. and it just got me in the mindset with games in general it's like if this is in the game it is most likely possible to do it and so that means I will get it done eventually, whether that be now or in seven hours from now. And I would right. I would just throw myself at these fights with like barely any ammo and I would get through it. Um And they're making they're remaking that one. They remake they remade uh two and three. I played those, I the second one I didn't like so much, but I know a lot of people did. Three was one of my favorites. I got all the achievements in that one in in a week. But I'm super looking forward to the um, remake for Resident Evil 4 because it was the first one I ever played. Yep. So, I have, a, I have two questions for you, John. First one is, what, do you, what did you think about Resident Evil 7 Biohazard? That one is probably my second favorite in the series. Maybe okay. third favorite. Cause... I just asked because that was my first exposure to the series because I got it on <clears throat> PS4, I think. Mm-hmm. And... I, I had never played a Resident Evil game before. I had seen... It was on sale, so that's why I got it. And let me tell you, that game shook me up. Because I heard it was a horror game. I'm like, yep, this is my territory. And that one scene where the... Whatever her name is. It's that old lady girl. Mm-hmm. She comes around the corner as you're about to open the door. Scared the frick out of me. I literally... I think I maybe screeched. I'm not sure. And that's the first time I think I've ever got like that scared from a game. There's been other times since then, but... That was, like, one of the biggest ones when I played that game. So I right. instantly loved it because of that. So As for uh, horror within that yeah. series, those that game didn't get me. What got me the most in all of them is a scene within Resident Evil 8. There's, like, you're in a dark house, and this is a huge monster. These, this gross-looking monster is chasing you. And I'm like, that, that's what got me the most terrified in any of the games. Yeah, so... Um, the other one I had is like uh, this. I'll start with the thing I wanted to say is I think both of you can agree in real life. If you're more stressed out, you think less critically, right? Mm. Yes. Apparently, it's the complete opposite while in a virtual world. So, uh, so, uh, a group of scientists did a study on people that had played games for at least 10 years. They had to be at least 10 years plus of a gamer. They couldn't be anything less. And they put them in a scenario they've never done before. And they, I think one of them was honestly um, one of the Doom games, I can't remember. But they put them in a scenario where they had like 2 HP, they they knew what they had to do. They had 2 HP, they didn't have much ammo, and they didn't have a lot of like, they didn't have any special abilities, they didn't have anything. And it's, the boss had full health, and they, whatever. Apparently, if you're, if you're a gamer that's played for a long time, the more, the more risk that you have... Like, because obviously they're on 2 HP, one hit, and they're dead, right? So the more risk that there is, the more critically people think, and the more easily they can get out of that situation. Right. So 
And they did a test on people that had 2 HP, they did a group of people that had 50 HP, and they did a group that had full HP. The group that had full HP, they didn't even kill the boss. None of them did. The people that were on 50 and lower, all of them did. And that's crazy to me. Like, the fact that in real life, like in normal real life situations, the more stressed you are, the less critically you think. But mm. apparently if you go into a virtual world, and you are stressed in the virtual world, and whatever... You think more critically. Like, that's crazy to me. I think what it is, is like the adrenaline gets pumping and you're like, I got this. It's, we're going into pro gamer mode and you just, your brain works at 100% uh, capacity. When I played Fallen Order, the game I mentioned earlier, uh, the final boss, when I got to, I'm not going to spoil anything, but when I got to the final boss, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for it. There's not much you need to do to prepare for bosses in that game, but the little that you can do, I didn't do. And <laughs> so I, I was playing through it, and I was like, alright, I haven't beaten it. This is my last attempt until I get off, and I'll do it maybe tomorrow, because it was getting late. And I beat that boss in that final attempt on 1 HP. Wow. And I was like, holy crap, That's that, that was... Uh, stressful, and then I died immediately after. But since it was like the, there was a checkpoint, so it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So now that's another thing too in games. If you if you play a game with no checkpoints, or you play a game with like very few checkpoints, whatever. Apparently, another thing that I read because I I like to read about this stuff because it's very interesting to me. Um, essentially, if you have if you play a game with no checkpoints, you're more. It depends on the type of person you are. This one, unlike the last one I just said, this one's more, like, depending on the person you are. But apparently it's 60-something percent. I forgot what the percentage was. It might have even been 70. It was something higher than 50, I know. Um, a, something higher than 50% of people that didn't that played a game with no checkpoints were more determined to finish the game than people that had, like, checkpoints every five minutes or whatever. Because mm. um, if you have a checkpoint every five minutes, anytime you get a checkpoint, you can be like, alright, I'm done, I'm going to go read a book, or I'm going to go play a different game, even, like, whatever. But the people that don't have any checkpoints, they feel as if, that if they stop at a certain point, they're going to lose all the progress, right? Mm. So, that's pretty interesting. So, the question I wanted to ask you, I don't want to take up too much time, but the question I wanted to ask you guys is, this is, applies mainly to RPGs, but this applies to any game where you can purchase things, or you can upgrade things, or whatever. Do you guys play more conservatively? Or do you just go all out and try and, like, like anytime you get money, you, you buy something? Uh, personally, for me, it depends on the game I'm playing. Like, um, I love RPGs, and I love basically any kind of game, really. Unless it's Fallout 76. Anyway, um, I'm a huge Formula 1 fan now, so anytime I do have money, I will, like, indulge a little and buy some of the newer content that's available but other than that not really so you're I mean, more splurgy then right yeah i mean i did used to have a really bad addiction to fucking buying money for gta 5 online but i don't have that anymore Mm-hmm. what about you john um i don't know i feel like it depends on the game uh, as well, when I play Kingdom Hearts, I never have the money in that game because I'm always buying items immediately. And then so I'm like, well, I guess I can't buy anything, so I have to go 
grind for some money and then I can get more uh, potions and uh, give me potions more synthesis materials and then I immediately run out. Yeah. Right. It's, it's interesting to me that both of you said that it depends because for me, no matter what game it is, I play conservatively. I don't go and buy things unless I know it's going to have a good outcome. I don't buy things unless I like, because I calculate way ahead of time, right? I'm one of those people that's like, okay, if I buy this, then here's the consequences. If I don't buy this, here's the consequences, that kind of stuff. And so I never usually buy things until I'm sure that I'm A, have enough money for it, and B, I, the, the consequences, or sorry, the outcome, like the good outcome, outweighs the consequences. Alright. And I used to be, like, I'm more conservative with how and when I buy shit, especially game-wise now. Because before, when I, like, had enough money for a game, I'd just look and be like, alright, I'll buy it now, even if it was, like, 60 bucks. But now I actually look, like, for sales and things like that. Oh, I look for sales all the time, man. If I if if I see a, if I see a game on sale that's like if a game's like was fifty dollars and it's like three dollars now, I'm I don't care if I have four dollars in my bank account, I'm buying that thing. Yeah, very very rarely do I buy a game unless it's on sale. It's usually if I'm really excited for the game or something like that. Like I'm probably gonna pre order Kingdom Hearts four when it comes out. I know I'm going to Pre-order Fallen Order to Jedi Survivor, um, is what it's called. But basically, like it. But if it's a game that I've heard of, I'm like, hey, that's something I I think I'd like. I would. I'll look for a sale. Right. Well, to bring us back to the topic of the episode, um, (laughs) another game I love, and I, you guys both know this. The audience probably knows this if you're if you watch my channel at all. It's the first game I ever started on my channel, and it would be a darn shame if I didn't mention it. Phasmophobia. Man, let me tell you what. I don't... I'm not the biggest fan of jump scare games. It might be, like, controversial or whatever. I don't really care, but I'm just not a huge fan of jump scare games because most of the time they're cliche. They don't get me because they're cliche. I can see them coming because they're cliche. You get the idea. So, I never really like those types of games. What I absolutely love in a horror game is psychological horror, which Phasmophobia is classified as, and it, I would say, after having 500 to six hours, 600 hours in the game, I would say it is. Um, essentially, um, for those, for the three people that don't know what Phasmophobia is, it's a ghost hunting game where you and a couple friends go in and try and solve the ghost, that which the ghost, of course, is going to try and kill you, uh, and you have to figure out what it is before it does so. Um, the reason I like it so much is because, first of all, it's super replayable. You can replay that sucker up to, like, there's people up there that are, like, level 3,000. I don't know how the heck, how much free time you got, but apparently you got a lot, because level 3,000, I'm only level 500-something. Um, or approaching level 500, rather. So, for me, because it's psychological, I like it more, but also I like it more because of the amount of content you can play, right? Right. They just added three new ghost types to the game, which me and John just explored a little bit earlier um, in his live stream. Uh, J- J- uh, John, do you have your? Do you keep your vods up? Like you shove Yeah, your up? the vod of that is still up. It stays up for about like two weeks, and then Twitch is like, "All right, we don't need to see this anymore. Get rid of it." <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you guys can go watch it. Just go to John's uh, uh, Twitch, even Streamins, and you'll see it there. Uh, but we explored the three new ghost types. They have a whole new truck layout. Like that had it, that the truck hadn't changed in like. 
two years and they've and they changed it now and so there's they they keep updating the game they're apparently they're releasing another update soon like that's crazy like these guys are working their butts off i got the developers are super amazing they engage with the community that's another thing that i love about a game because it's not just the game they're making it's the game developers too you have to consider the game developers because if they're a big piece of shit then i'm i'm automatically going to have a bias against it because if they're like harassing their community or if they're like um trying to think or if they're not engaging with the community or they're ripping off their community like with cash grabs and stuff then automatically i'm not going to enjoy your game because you're being a douchebag right and so i'm not so like with with phasmophobia and stuff they actively engage with their community uh cj is one of the um uh like art people i think he often plays with the youtubers that play the game and that's crazy like he's in he's actively uh taking time out of his busy day i'm assuming and just playing with these guys just to get their opinions on stuff to just have fun with them troll them a little bit it's a great time and so i love a game creator or game company rather i mean not rather but either way that actively engage with their with their community Mm. and that's why i think nintendo games are kind of like that nintendo actively interacts with the thing are some nintendo games bad (laughs) yes um are like some of them like really good yes there's gonna be different games depending on the different person but that's why i think game creators that interact with the community are better than those that don't and so i I think phasmophobia gets a golden star for me just for that um but also it's just it's it's not scary scary to me anymore because once you once trust me once you once you reach level 100 i don't think you're truly scared of it anymore um, but I will say the first time I played the game, I was truly scared. I'm like the first hunt I ever had, which basically for those again that don't know, uh, when the ghost hunts you, that's when it can kill you. That's the only time it can kill you and it's really scary. Um, when the first time I got hunted, my heart sank because I had no clue what I was doing. And of course I died because I had no clue what I was doing, but it was just so creepy. It like you, I saw the ghost coming at me like that moment of just pure dread kind of like really got to me. So I think Phasmophobia definitely, 100%, I think, if not my favorite game, I can't, it's hard because it's a, it's only, it's, I mean, it might be, I can't, like, when people ask me what's my favorite game, I honestly can't answer that because I have too many, but right. if it's not my favorite game, it's definitely in the top five for sure, so that's what I would say. Right. What you're saying about horror with, like, jump scare horror versus atmosphere horror and psychological horror, I would totally agree the FNAF series is like it's it relies a lot on jump scares. I like the FNAF games. I've played through all of them except Sister Location and the newest one. But like I played through the first one and I was like, okay. I when I played through FNAF three, there was not a moment in the game that I was scared, but I was getting angry because I didn't understand. <laughs> I didn't understand the mechanics, and then I think in that game they're not completely well done, and so I was getting angry. I'm like, I don't understand why I keep dying. If this is the way it's meant to work, if what I'm thinking is correct, this shouldn't be happening. I was getting more and more angry with it, more than I was getting scared of it. Yeah. But, so the thing with the thing with FNAF is, um, it's starting to it's starting to more rely on a psychological stuff. But yeah, in the olden days, it was purely jump scares, right? And so I completely agree with you. FNAF three was not good to me. I'm like, it just wasn't. So the thing was um, with Scott is he released the first one. That was his last attempt at a game, by the way. That was like his last one. He made FNAF, didn't expect anything of it. 
it blew up completely, and uh, people asked him for another one, so he made the second one. And in the or so the complaint people had with the first one was there wasn't enough animatronics; it wasn't hard enough. So guess what he does? In the second one, he brings in like I think there's twelve animatronics technically uh, that can kill you, and he brings in twelve. And then people were like, "Oh well, you don't what you don't get to use the cameras a lot, and there's too many animatronics." And so he makes the third one. Guess what? There's only one that can kill you, and also you have to rely on the cameras. In the third one, people are like, oh, this isn't scary enough. And so guess what he does? He makes the fourth one into a Nightmare Hellscape, which I think in FNAF 4 was terrifying when I first played it. Um, and so he made it scary. And then after that, people stopped complaining, thank God. I mean, they still do, obviously, but that's, the, that's kind of when the train stopped. But yeah, I wouldn't recommend Sister Location to you, John. Sister Location is not that great to me. Uh, it's also very reliant on jump scares. I would give the new one a chance, despite what people are saying about it. Right. Like, I see all these videos that be like, oh, why FNAF Scooter Beach is bad? I understand it's not a 10-star game or, like, a 5-star experience or whatever, but if you like the FNAF series and you like the story, and plus, a lot of people that have said that, they played it when it first came out when it was super buggy. Like, I was mm. one of the first people that played it, and it was so buggy. And I understand that, and I get why that's frustrating, but... That's all people are looking at anymore. They're like, oh, this game was super buggy, so it's bad. Right. And it's like, that's not all the game is. <laughs> like, I understand if a, if a bug halts your progress and you can't play for a couple of days. Yeah, that frustrated me a little bit too. But, like, they fixed that patch, or they fixed that bug pretty quickly. And then, so now, John, in the time frame we're in right now, most bugs are kind of fixed. Right. So I would definitely give it a chance if you want to. I, I don't know if it will ever go on sale. I don't think they those games do, but Not if you ever see it on sale, I would recommend trying it, because I, th- I liked it. I, I would say I liked it. Right. I, I think 4 was my favorite so far, because that one, it was, I was kind of uh, spooked during that one, because the animatronics look scary. You have to rely on your hearing to figure out where they are, if they're outside your door, if they're not outside your door. I think it's really well done. Yeah. Yeah, the um the FNAF 4, I think, is also my favorite. I, either that or FNAF 2, but FNAF 4, I had my volume... The first time I got jump scared, John, I had my volume on max because I was told by my friends that you need your volume on max. Mm. Obviously, they trolled me. That's not how that works. And I think I flew back out of my chair because I wasn't expecting it. Um, yeah, that, yeah, it's so loud. I think FNAF 4 is really good. Mm. I think why people look at games that are really buggy when they first come out and say, oh, it's bad, and then they just don't play it ever again. I think that's mostly due to the release of, like, um, some games have come out over the years that were super buggy at launch and just the big pile of shit that no one really wants to play anymore. Uh, A pretty good example of that would be Fallout 76. It's a really hyped-up game. There's a lot of talk around it. People are excited for it. They go, they play it, and guess what? Really buggy, a lot of glitches. I think to this day, a lot of the glitches from launch still haven't been fixed. Right. But can you really expect Bethesda to fix glitches? Skyrim is the most buggiest game I've ever seen in my life, and it's been out for 10 years. (laughs) Yes, but while Skyrim is a buggy game, they also make that game fucking fun. It is fun. I have way more hours than it deserves in it. I've got too many hours in that game. Mm. Like, I've played Skyrim ever since I was like maybe 12 or 11. Right. Maybe even 10. Makes sense. Yeah. 
I recently got that game. That was one that like I got it during the start of pandemic. Um, because my friend was suggesting it. I had seen, like, I had tried to get into the series, uh, into that game, um, prior, but, like, I just couldn't find my footing. Like, I was like, eh, it's alright, it's fun, but I can't get into it. But then, like, at the start of the pandemic, I had nothing better to do. Uh, school was a joke for me, because they didn't know how to go virtual. And (laughs) so, I was just playing a lot of that, and I just... I played so much of it, and I was like, this is a lot of fun. But now I've gotten to the point where I have, like, 500 hours in it, and it's no longer fun. So, like, that's one of the yeah. games that you can you can play, you can experience, you can enjoy it, but it loses its value at, at, over time. John, I have one word for you. Mm. Mods. I, I've not found many mods that I really love. I know there's one called Enderall, which is like a completely different game, just used with the um, assets that the base game has. That one I know a lot of people like. I might try that at some point. Yeah. Anyway, to get back on track, um, who's next? John is. I'm next, right. Um, well, you kind of talked about Skyrim. You, you Is that like one of your favorite games? I, I, I mean, kind of. I would say I like it a lot. I liked my experiences with it a lot, but like I said, I've gotten to the point where like I'm not really enjoying myself whenever I get back to play it. And I've tried different things like uh, challenge runs. So the most fun I had with it recently, I did a 1 HP run where I used the console commands to make my max health at 1 HP the whole game. And... That one was a lot of fun because I had to like find a different way of getting around enemies that I would just blow through before. Mm-hmm. I would like I had to use a companion. I would did a lot of stealth archer, which is like makes it way super easy. But with that type of build, you have to do it, or else you'll just get murdered by. Literally, you can get killed by a pile of bones on the floor. That is true. I've done all those runs before, never actually finished it, because I got so fucking angry with it that I just said, nope, I'm done. Mm. But yeah, that's my experience, I guess, with it. Alright, um, so, I've, again, and this is another one of those games, I feel like it'd be a shame to not say here, because I think... I know definitely me and Noah, I can't say, I can't speak for John, but I feel like he would kind of agree with this too. One of the best games currently out there, and one of the best replayable games for sure out there. We all know it. We all love it. Good old blocky textures. Good old Minecraft. I gotta say it, you know? It's one of those games that just keeps getting updated and it just keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the the recent update of the the Swamp update, or whatever they call it, um, is out now. And so you can find the Warden. You can... Like, the Warden was one of the best additions I think they've ever done. Because ever since... The last update, I think, ever since like they made the uh, the Nether update or whatever, people were asking for, oh, we want another boss. And I wouldn't say the Warden's a boss, but he acts like one. He he hits harder than the Wither and the Ender Dragon combined. Like freaking, you can have full Netherite armor, enchanted Netherite armor, mind you, and he can two sh- two shy or even one shy depending on your enchantments. Like that's crazy, and it, and it's. And, like, they haven't turned Minecraft into a horror game. They can't... I think they have to classify it somewhat as horror now because of how it works. 
So basically, if you go into the deep dark, and it, it's dark down there, even with a torch, it is dark down there, right? And now the now there's an enemy that relies on sound and can hear you. So you're crouching around, you're crawling around. The second you make a noise, whether it be a block or you run or whatever, one of those like little I forgot what they call them, but one of those things, sound things activates, and it spawns them wherever that thing is. And suddenly you're screwed. You don't know where you're going because it's pitch black. You have this giant monster chasing. This is kind of similar to what uh, John said before. You have this giant monster chasing you. It's really dark. You can't see where you're going. And if you come across another one of those things, it either teleports him closer to you or it spawns another one. So, like, you're really just kind of screwed unless you can build up and, like, avoid him. But even still, that doesn't always work. So... He acts like a boss, but he's not technically a boss. But I would say that is one of the best things they've ever done. I love the community engagement with Minecraft, too. Like, you can't tell me that Minecraft doesn't engage with the community all the time. They they literally host live streams, like, telling people what the next update's going to be. They offer polls to see what the next mob should be added. Like, recently, the, I think it's called the L- LA just got added. Um, that was in a poll. Uh, the Phantom was a poll. Um, unfortunately, the Glow Squid was a poll. But just, like, all that stuff, they allow the community to engage with the game. And like I said before, like, game creators that do that are automatically better than those that don't. And Mm -hmm. so I think it would be illegal to say that Minecraft is not, uh, like, even if you don't like Minecraft, you have to admit it's very replayable, it's very easy to understand. Like, literally, I think, again, I think I read this back in, like, 2018 or something, Scientists did a test and to see they brought in people that had never touched a game in their life, not even mobile games. I think is what one is, is like what they said, and they brought them down. They played the head. They play. I think they had to play three different games. One of them being Minecraft. The other two I can't remember. One was like an RPG, and then one was something else. Um, and they had to. They wanted to see how like how they understood the games. Minecraft. Guess what? One because. They people understood. They, the scientists told them nothing of what to do. They just handed them a controller, put them into a random world, said, "Here you go, have fun." And I think it was like nine out of ten people. There was one person on, in, in each group that I don't think understood it, or like on average didn't understand it all the way. But nine out of ten—that ain't bad compared to the other two. I think the RPG had like three out of t- ten, and I I can't even remember what the other game was, so I couldn't give you a statistic on that. But it's just it's just a super game it's just a super fun game and it's apparently it's super easy to learn because i mean i'm sure like you think of how many like eight-year-olds play that game right right so it's super easy to understand it's a relaxing game despite the horrific music that can be that can be in there um and like just think about it because i think i think noah said in one of the podcast episodes i can't remember which one it was but we, we we were playing uh on the channel and stuff and one of the music tracks uh, jumped in, and it sounds like a coming-of-age story. It sounds like a really emotional story song, essentially. And um, Noah even said he teared up a little bit. He wasn't crying or anything, but he said he teared up a little bit from it. Like, if you can tear up from just the soundtrack, you know it's a good game. Like, you know they're doing something right. So I think Minecraft... If Phasmophobia isn't my favorite game, I think Minecraft would take that place. Right. What you were saying about the scientists bringing in people who have never played games to play these games, 
There was a video I watched on YouTube. It was similar to that. It wasn't that exact experiment, but there was this guy who was... Their wife had wasn't a gamer. They didn't play games very much, and they were bringing them into different games to see what they would do. And they brought them... They, they had them play Minecraft, and because Minecraft, you can do whatever you want. You can... It's a sandbox game, so you can go and fight the Wither if you want, but you could also just you know, build up your world, make farms. And so what they ended up doing was they were just building houses and they were, they said to their, their husband, they're like, you know, I, I don't want to go out and fight those monsters, but I, I just like to build this house. And I think with that small, like, idea, that's basically they captured the idea of the game. You can do what you want. You can go out and kill monsters or you can build a house. You can build a giant castle if you'd like. It's... It, to me, that's why it's one of my favorites as well, because you can do whatever you want with it. Yeah, and to your point, John, <clears throat> is it's so versatile that in 2020, people, or like, sorry, schools, held their graduations in Minecraft. That is crazy! They, I, I, don't, I can't tell you any schools, I just saw it, but it made the news. Because uh, obviously news stations didn't have much to report on besides COVID. But anyway, it still made the news. It said, like, if the article said something like, oh, um, the, it named the school, I can't remember what it was, but it's like they held, they held their graduation in Minecraft. They built a grad, they built their school in Minecraft, they built the ceremony in Minecraft. It was crazy. I think I watched the video on it, but I, I couldn't tell you what the video was. Um, okay. but, like, that's crazy. Like, I'm glad I have a normal graduation, but I, like, I wouldn't be totally upset if I had my graduation in Minecraft, because I love the game, and it's so versatile. You can, like, obviously the, um... I don't know what the person's called, the host of the thing, but, like, the the people that are hosting it, they could have admins on, and so that the students couldn't, like, misbehave in the game or whatever. It's just so versatile. And it's, again, so versatile that they have an education edition. So, besides from, college, besides from like, uh, graduation stuff, there's schools that, are, that allow their kids to play Minecraft on education edition to learn about, like, the human eye, the digestive system, the brain, like, all that kind of stuff, because there's worlds for that now. And... Yep. It's it's just like one of the best things ever. I think in Finland, people. I think every school does that. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. It is, in my opinion, one of the best games I've played. Because no matter how sick I get of that game, I somehow always come back to it, and I'm always playing it. Right. Actually, during COVID. I was really bored, so I just started a new world. Fifty days later, I had a really big farm and a huge house. Yeah, I think, yeah. uh, was that during COVID where me and you and someone, I'm not going to name names, but me, you, and someone else around the world and we were playing together, was that during COVID? I believe it was around that time. Okay, I was just, I was just wondering, because I remember that we, uh, you created a world for us as well. So yeah, like, that's how cool it is. It brought people, it brings people together, because you can have, like, you can have, like, a thousand people on one server. More than that, actually. It depends on the server. You can have, like, a thousand people on server, and it's just great. I don't want to talk about Minecraft too much, but it deserves a spotlight in this right. podcast because it's a really good game. I don't care if you think it's the worst game in the world. You have to admit that it's, it's like, it's easy to learn, and it's so versatile. You have to at least admit those two things, even if you don't like the game. Right. Yeah. I think I mostly love that game, though, mostly because, A, the community is amazing, and the fact that people in the community actually get a say in what they want in the game is just something you don't see. Right. And you can 
Yeah, and you can actually make money off of Minecraft too. If you want to make map, if you're good at if you're good at making maps, you can submit them to the marketplace, and you get a share of whatever money you they, the whatever listing price you put on it. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Like people can make a living off of that. So yeah, that's cool. all I'm gonna say about Minecraft. But it's it's definitely one of my top five. Right. If we're yeah. talking about video games and one of our favorite games, it would literally be a crime uh, if I didn't talk more about Kingdom Hearts. That game, that series, is definitely my favorite series in video games. I played the first game in the series when I was four years old. And I'm wow. still playing through the games. Because they're still making more, and the, the newest one just got announced. Um, but, like, there, it's, it's one of my favorites because it's so fun. To, for me, I, I guess the the story is not the most compelling for everyone. I know a lot of people complain about it being confusing. I don't think it's super confusing, as in like hard to understand. It's just there's so many games that it's if you haven't played all of them, or if you even if you have, because there's so much information, it gets convoluted. And people get confused with all the different information they get as they make more and more games. Mm-hmm. Right. But I played the first one when I was four. I played... There was a Game Boy game, uh, Chain of Memories. I played that. And then I didn't play the second game uh, until I was eight. But that one is my favorite in the series. I think it's the mechanics in that one are the best... Overall, uh, it's so I've played it so many times. Like I've done challenge runs of it. I've done speed runs of it. I've I I love that one to death, and I will probably keep playing it for ever. Mm. Uh, personally, I've never played Kingdom Hearts, but I have heard pretty good things about it. I I have two. I just think they need to work on their names. Like their names are so ridiculous. Like, oh yeah. Just 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 stop. Just yeah. just call it Kingdom Hearts number and then whatever the title is. Right. They... Stop there. You don't need to write version three point version three point two final chapter prologue chain of memories. I, yes. You don't need that. In uh in two point eight they <laughs> the naming like just that alone is dumb. But there is they made a game unique to two point eight where it was basically. Uh, soft demo for Kingdom Hearts three. They wanted to show off the mechanics that you might be you would be using in three in the new graphics engine they were using, and that the name of that one is Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep Seal Point Two of Fragmentary Passage. <laughs> it's like what? Who comes up with these names? Like, even as a fan of the series, even I can admit like these names are pretty dumb. Uh. <laughs> It, and that's why a lot of people who look at this series or try to get into it, they're like, alright, there's three games. Kinemus 1, Kinemus 2, and Kinemus 3. And then they, like, get to the third one and they're like, what has happened? Like, I don't understand anything because they skipped, like, so many games that were not named properly. Right. And part of it, I think, is because some of them are prequels, some of them are, like, in-between games that... Because, like, Kinemus 1 came out Rechaining the Memories came out after 1 and takes place in between 1 and 2. But the characters within 2 don't remember the events of that game because of how it ends, I guess. I, I guess I don't want to spoil it. Uh, and then... But then they make... 
days, which is three five eight days over two, which is also a really stupid name. But that one takes place during Rechain. And it's like they can't name it three because it takes place before, but it takes place during. It's it's really confusing at that point to name it things that actually make sense if they're going jumping between different times in the series. Right. Mm. Yeah, so another one of my favorite games is so this this game I'm I we don't like do titles here, but this is the first game that made me cry. Mm. So just take that as you will. I'll say it in why in a second. So I just to clarify, I don't tear up easily. I just want to say that I don't tear up very easily at all. Uh, this there's only been like one or two games that have made me cry. This is one of them, and I don't think I think if I remember correctly, John said he hasn't played this game. Uh, in which case, he absolutely should. Um, Undertale. So the reason this game is amazing is because you're put into this world with that with obviously again like most games you're put into the world with no knowledge of it, right? You go along, and, um, John, you said you, you have, I'm correct on that, you haven't played this, right? Yeah, I haven't played it. I've seen places of it, but I, like, it, when I watch a playthrough, I'm usually watch, not paying any attention to the game. I'm listening to the, uh, commentary mostly, so I don't remember a whole lot of the story. So, I, I'll try and avoid, like, the big things, but I, I do need to talk a little bit of how it's, why it's good, because this main story is why it's good. So essentially, you walk down the corridor. You walk. You walk into a black room, and you meet this flower, right? And it's a talking flower. He's like, "Hi, I, I, his name's Flowey." I'm like, "Hi, I'm Flowey." He's like, "Hi, I'm Flowey," and he's like, "Oh, you're you're new here, right? Let me teach you. Or let me teach you how uh, fighting works." He, it's like an RPG, so he brings your heart into the thing, and he's like, "Oh, you got to collect these little friendliness pellets." And as a gamer, you're like, "Okay, that's how that. So that's how you heal." He sends one of them at you, and you go to collect it, and you take damage. And then all of a sudden, he turns into this demon flower. And he's like, you idiot, like, you fell for that. Um, or whatever. And he, like, surrounds you in the bullets, and then you get saved by one of the people that, or one of the monsters that are in the underground. And just that moment alone is kind of, is kind of like, ridiculous because of how, not creepy it is, but of how, like, betrayed you kind of feel because you're like this is my first time in the game you feel like you feel kind of frustrated because you're like i just like i thought you were gonna be a friend dude you try to kill me like what's going on and you'll start to meet him more and more later down the line but um the sense the person that saved you kind of guides you through what they call the ruins it's one of the stages in the game they guide you kind of through it and you come across these enemies now the main thing about this game is you can either choose to fight you can kill enemies you can take their stuff Whatever, right? Or you can spare them by uh, kind of doing like kindness acts. You can, like, some require you to give them hugs, some require you to give them motivational, like, quotes and stuff, whatever. You have to just, like, you know, you just have to befriend them and then you can spare them, right? That's the two options. You can't do anything else. And in the first time ever, I think, is you could, you could go through an RPG with killing absolutely no one, right? And as a gamer, uh, when I first did this, I, I, my first playthrough, there's three different, there's like technically six different runs, but there's three main runs. There's a neutral ending, there's a pacifist ending, and there's a genocide ending. Now, pacifist requires you to not kill anything, hence the name, and genocide's the complete opposite, obviously, right? You have to kill everything. The neutral run just means you've killed some people, you haven't killed some, whatever, right? You're, you're, you're neutral. And 
you basically get to the final part. And John, do you know of the character called Sans? I'm sure. Yeah, it's one of the most popular ones. Well, I'm just making sure. I don't want to spoil one of the things that he's. So essentially, he you get into this kind of this like bright um, hallway. Uh, it's called the Judgment Room, I think is what it's called. And you had him. You meet him. You meet Sans in the Snowden, which is what it's called. And then you don't really see him too much after that. You see him in Hotland a little bit which is another one of the stages, but after that, you don't really see him. All of a sudden, he pops up, and he's like, hey, you've been you've been busy, right? Um, and he kind of tells you what the thing means. So when you think of LV, John, what do you think? Like, when, when you see, like, level one, like, what do you think? Like, what, what like in a game, what do you think LV stands for? I think it means level, like, uh, your, how much experience you have at that point in the game. Right, and the, thank you for bringing up experience, too. So when you see EXP, you think experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, Undertale completely shifts that. LV stands for love, and uh, EXP stands for execution points. And that makes... it Like, when you first hear that, you're like, that's so cool, because love basically means the uh, amount of... Love in Undertale just basically means, uh, like, murder, essentially is what it means. And then execution points, obviously, I don't think I need to explain that one. But it's just so cool how they go about that, and, and he judges you based on what level you are. Like, you can be level 6, you can be level 5, you can be level 19, whatever. Nope, not level 19, you can be level 18 or whatever, and he'll judge you for that. Like, he'll judge you for whatever level you are. If you're, like, level 5, he'll be like, yeah, you, you did some bad things, but you caught on, you're like, okay, you're cool now. Um, or if you're, like, level 18, it's like, hey, you're a real douchebag. <laughs> we don't like you very much. Um, whatever, he lets you go about his day. If you decide to kill everyone you meet... Literally everyone. You have to grind a little bit. You have to kill all the bosses, whatever. <clears throat> um, essentially, once you get to the judgment room, oh, he unloads on you. You think that he's just this little funny bone man? Nah. This sucker pulls out all the stops. He tries to kill you. He's the hardest boss in the game, so much so that I think it took Jacksepticeye, who I think is a pretty good gamer. I think he's a pretty good at what he does. It took him, like, 20 tries something, whatever. And that's how you know it's a really hard boss. So I want I liked the challenge. The music in the game is awesome. And the reason it made me cry is because I did the pacifist run and basically one of the, the the flower is basically something else. I'll just say that. I don't want to spoil it too much. But when you find out what he is and he gives you a story, it's so sad because of how depressing the the game makes it feel. And it was it's just amazing because it's the first ever game where you, um, where you can choose to spare people or you can fight them, whatever. And it's so impactful that, uh, I'm sure a lot of you know, MatPat gave the Pope Undertale, like a copy of Undertale. That's how, like, um, like, in like, instrumental it was to the gaming world. So, I think that, again, is another one of my top fives. Yeah. And the music, from what I heard, is really good in that game. Oh, I have a I have a full soundtrack that I don't think I've left out a single song in that one. Mm. And John, if you get a, if you get a chance, listen to the song. It's called "It's Raining Somewhere Else." Mm -hmm. It's like a really calm song. I think you'll like it. Right. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty good game. I've actually never played Undertale either. Oh, uh, you both need to play it. Yeah, I that's what people see as possible. Because from how you just described it, it sounds like a pretty good game. Yeah, I think. Um, I think, essentially, so basically, I want to know real quick, what would you guys do? If you were put into that situation, would you choose pacifism, or would you go full on genocide and play like a normal RPG? I would 
probably go pacifism. A lot of times I... Like, when I was younger playing choice-based games that had, like, an evil and good option, I would choose the evil option. But these days, like, I way prefer the good option because a lot of times the evil option can be either bittersweet or just really sad. Um, mm -hmm. Like, without spoiling anything for the Infamous series, the first one, the evil and good don't really matter. The story's basically the same. But uh, in the second one, I played through the second Infamous game. It's, one, it's my favorite in the series. Those two are actually one of my favorite video games as well. And I played through the second one as an evil character first. And by that point, you've met most of the characters, you like the main characters as friends, you you know them. And like because you've made a connection with these characters, it's super sad for the how the evil ending ends up going for these characters. And I think ever since I played that as an evil character, I prefer good endings. So when I played Bioshock, I never finished it, but I couldn't bring myself to harvest the little children for the evil ending. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I was like, oh, they're, they're innocent little child. They, I can't kill them. <laughs> yeah, so that's another thing I love about Undertale, is it's, it's truly a choice-based game, because I mean, they're not in uh, operation anymore, but do uh, you guys remember, I think it's called Telltale? Telltale? Mm -hmm. I, I never said it right. Yeah. Um, but they were always, like, they always, like, made their games about choice. And oftentimes, it didn't matter what you did. There's always one of two endings, right? You couldn't really go in between them. And some some choices didn't matter at all. It's just, like, it's just, like, fodder for the game. And so, I still liked those games, but I didn't like them because they were choice-based. Undertale, literally every choice you do matters. Literally every single one. You can, One of the choices is, like, do you want ketchup on your burger? That ends up mattering later. It's so stupid. It's it's a choice that you think would not make any sense, nor would it impact the story at all. But it does, and it's crazy. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a really good game uh, because I love a choose your own adventure. Like that's why I think In Space with Markiplier was amazing because it's a choice based adventure. Um, and so choice based adventure games are to me one of the best games out there, or best game genres, I should say. And yeah, I think you guys should play it. I think it's only fifteen dollars, so. You know, just save up for a little bit if you don't have cash, but it's really fun. Trust me. All right. And I think with that, this concludes this episode. Yep. All right. All right, so, four points. John, you did very well to say. Brought a lot of good conversation. And had some interesting opinions and for that you have 18 points and Ethan you had a lot of really good conversation too I actually saw eye to eye with you on a lot of games there's quite a few I agreed with uh, even got me to try want to try one of the games which gave you and you just barely won 19 points alright wow, I will take good. that victory you have your winner for next week. And. Yeah, you got a loser speech. You got a winner speech. Like, <laughs> I. Yeah, my winner speech is I I think this is a pretty good topic to talk about because I think you guys should tell us what your favorite games are too. I mean, 
we don't have like a subreddit or anything you can go to, but you can go, you can go to like my uh, polls that I host on my channel and stuff and tell me because one of the things that I haven't told these guys I was going to tell these guys at the at the beginning, but I did a poll on what your guys' favorite episode was. Um, let me just pull it up real quick. But it, I did a poll on what your guys' favorite episode was, and Deadly Hills was the was the winner. And Phasmophobia and Joe Quest are tied for second place. So, yeah, Deadly Hills, I, I think you guys picked that. A lot of people are saying they picked it because they, wa- they loved hearing our opinions on stuff. And also someone said they completely disagree with you, John, and everything you said. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, that means I won. That's how I won. That means, that, yeah, I mean, yeah, that is how you won. You made really controversial ones. Um, someone said they disagree with Noah's uh, COD franchise thing. But, like, yeah, they, they I loved hearing guys' opinions. And honestly, uh, you guys are not allowed to do this, by the way. The next episode we're going to be hosting is going to be the Deadly Hills Part 2, where we're going to go over your guys' stills. So if you're listening to this, please submit them soon, because the time at the time of you guys listening to this, we're going to be recording the next one soon. So please submit them into that uh, post that I have on my channel soon. These guys aren't going to look at it, and if they do, they're cheating. Um, they're going to they're gonna lose five points for every comment they read. And, um, yeah, so we're going to go over your guys' hills, and I want to see how we react. I haven't even looked at them, um, so I couldn't tell you. But all I said is, all I've seen is that people are disagreeing with your guys' hills. Mm. Um, oh, well. But yeah, so I want to go over your guys' hills, and I want to see what you guys come up with. Um, I do get the notifications for us, so I think I've seen one or two, but I haven't seen all of them. Uh, one of the ones I did see was, holy crap, we're going to have a ten-minute conversation on that one. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. That's going to be planned. The reason I'm telling these guys here is because... Uh, they they can't prep for anything, and if they do, they lose points. So that's why I'm telling you guys now. And also, mm-hmm. I'm telling you guys uh, listening at home because if you haven't submitted anything yet, you should. Uh, because have if even if you have even if it's a small opinion, please submit it because we'll probably go over it. So, and as for my winner speech, my quick winner speech, uh, I think gaming's just fun. If you like, if you like to have a relaxing time, if you like to, or if you like to challenge, there's there's a game out there for everyone. I think that's what's great about the industry. I think the industry needs to calm down and cash grabs, though. They're starting to go into, like, the Battle Pass era. I don't like those games. So, but yeah, I think gaming in general, I think, is really fun. It's especially fun when you play with other people. So, hey, maybe if you have schools ending soon for a lot of people, so if you have some free time, you know, if you have friends or family, play a game with them, you know, just spend some time with them. All right, and with that, I want to say thank you guys for listening. We hope, we hope we provoked a conversation that made you laugh along the way. You can find uh, Ethan on his YouTube at FlabsXZ Gaming, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you can find Jebens, or John on uh, Twitch at JebensFeebens. And if you want to know what I'm doing, if you care at all, uh, my book is posted on the website. You can read about that. And Maybe even see when it comes up. I don't know. 